Peace to you. Welcome back to The Naked Truth, and thank you for joining me. We're going to pick up where we left off in the book of 2 Kings. We're almost through it, chapter 17. If you want to read along with me, let's begin with verse 1. In the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, Hoshea, the son of Elah, became king of Israel in Samaria, and he reigned nine years. So like we've been reading about the two kingdoms, Israel and Judah, all the different tribes divided into those two kingdoms. Uh, in the same area of the world we call the promised land or Israel or Palestine in modern times used to be called Canaan um, and other names, but it's the same area. It's around the Jordan River. It's the area around the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea. Um, and now a new king has been uh, seated in the kingdom of Judah. And we're talking about the new king in Israel, uh, just like we've been reading. Verse 2, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord, but not as the kings of Israel who were before him. So now the narrator is summing up the king, the new king in Israel, Elah, um, and saying that he did evil, but not as evil as the ones who were before him. And like we've read already, the evil, generally speaking, is uh, other religions, not being faithful to one God. Verse 3, Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up against him, and Hosea became uh, his vassal and paid him tribute money. So um, the king of Assyria, the same historical ancient kingdom, um, made an appearance in the last few chapters. Um, uh, and in this case, uh, has shaken down, basically, the king of Israel and gotten him to pay tribute. Um, it'd be just like if an occupying force was in a country and forced the people there to pay them while they're there. Um, tax money, tribute money, it's the same thing. And the same thing happens in the time of Jesus. Um, the Romans, the Italians are there um, and um, uh, making the people be subject to them by, by power, by might. Um, so now we're reading about a different time before then, the Assyrians doing the same thing and making people pay them. Verse 4, and the king of Assyria uncovered a conspiracy by Hosea, for he had sent messengers to So, king of Egypt, and brought no tribute to the king of Assyria as he had done year by year. Therefore, the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him in prison. So the king of Assyria got wind of him plotting to not have to be under his thumb anymore. And when he did, he locked him up. He found out he was uh, the king of Israel was trying to find an alliance with the king of Egypt um, named So in this chapter, at this point in this narrative. Um, and he cut it off. He intervened and locked up the king of Israel. Verse 5. Now the king of Assyria went throughout all the land and went up to Samaria and besieged it for three years. So Samaria is uh, like the capital city of the kingdom of Israel at this time. Um, ten of the tribes basically um, make up the kingdom of Israel and two tribes make up the separate kingdom of Judah, even though they all originally colonized that land together. Um, and so now three years have passed and they're under the king of Assyria's thumb the kingdom of Israel is. Verse 6, in the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria took Samaria and carried Israel away to Assyria and placed them in Hala and by the Habor, the river of Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes. 
So, uh, like I said, historically, you can read more about the Assyrians and their conquests um, and how they would, once they conquer land, take the people away from there and relocate them to other areas. Um, usually, as, as we read, it's the wealthy that end up getting looted and taken captive. The poor, as we read on, were generally left alone. Uh, they didn't have anything anyway. So in that sense, they were blessed by not being uh, taken captive by the attacking, conquering force of the Assyrians. And at this point, it's just the kingdom of Israel that's being carried away um, hostages, captive to Assyria, uh, not the kingdom of Judah yet. Um, and you can read more about the Medes also um, in history. Verse 7, for so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and they had feared other gods. So again, the idolatry is what's being blamed by the narrator here, or scribe, for the reason that they're, they've been taken captive. And uh, depending on when those um, prophecies were written, when they were first delivered from enslavement in Africa, they were warned, um, separated into um, two groups, six tribes on one side, six tribes on the other, and curses and blessings were pronounced on them. The curses, if they were unfaithful, uh, that they would be carried away captive. And the blessings, if they were faithful, they'd be able to occupy and colonize the so-called promised land. And as the narrator is letting us know here, they haven't been faithful. They worship other gods. And we went through just some of the other gods by name that people worship. Um, and if you're a Bible thumper, you're not even supposed to say the other gods, lowercase g, names. Um, but in reality... Um, even if you say the days of the week, you're saying other gods' names because um, they're named after other entities from other so-called gods from other religions. So you're breaking that commandment if you even do that. Um, but that seems to be what the narrator here is letting us know is the big sin that they've committed. And we've also read already that even though they were delivered by the Lord, and here Lord is all caps, in all caps, L-O-R-D, so um, it's pretty safe to figure, and it is being translated from the word or name Jehovah or Yehovah, uh, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Um, English would be Jehovah, um, that they're not being faithful to that same entity, uh, because as we read, they've already given the credit for that to some cows and made golden statues of them and said those are who delivered them from enslavement in Africa. Verse 8, and had walked in the statutes of the nations whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel and of the kings of Israel, which they had made. So the narrator is letting us know the people weren't faithful to the Lord. They worshiped all sorts of different entities and deities and called them their Lord and their God. Verse 9, also the children of Israel secretly did against the Lord their God things that were not right. And they built for themselves high places in all their cities. Watchtower, the fortified city. So we've gone over that also, how they're called high places. They're, they seem to be high points in the areas, in the lands where people would go to worship and, in a sense, get closer to God, trying to get as high up, as, as high an altitude as they can to have as their place of worship. 
but it was never, uh, at least it hasn't been in a long time as we've been reading, been faithful to one entity. They've worshiped many different entities, some that are even considered demons um, in other parts of the Bible, whether it's Baal or Molech or uh, Asherah or Esteros, all sorts of different entities were being worshiped by the people as their God. Um, and we're not even that, we're not even halfway through the Bible. Um, and that's what the people are doing. They build these places of worship um, all over the land, but not worshiping the one God that was accredited with delivering them from enslavement. Verse 10, they set up for themselves sacred pillars and with images on every high hill and under every green tree. So um, the high places uh, are one thing. The sacred pillars are another. I think of them as like totem poles, but even larger, uh, like the Washington Monument, they're basically phallic symbols, symbols that resemble uh, a male genitals, long and tall and hard, uh, that that's what they worship for whatever reason. It's patriarchy throughout the Bible, as I said before, except for the things that Jesus teaches the red letters. Other than that, it's basically patriarchy left, right, and sideways. And so one of the things the people would do is set up those phallic symbols, those um, sacred pillars, and they'd worship them. Um, and that's what they'd consider as their gods. And apparently everywhere they could, that's what they were doing, setting up uh, religious monuments to other entities. Verse 11, there they burned incense on all the high places like the nations whom the Lord had carried away before them. And they did wicked things to provoke the Lord's anger. So now um, the, it's being mentioned here that other nations are being carried away captive. Um, so Assyria is a conquering force, uh, taking many different areas captive and carrying them back to their own land as prisoners and um not just Israel, not just Judah, but the surrounding Middle Eastern areas, countries also. We read previously how Syria was attacked and um, taken, um, conquered also by the Assyrians. Uh, and the narrator is letting us know all those high places, all those wooden images, all that idolatry ticks the Lord off. Verse 12, for they served idols of which the Lord had said to them, you shall not do this thing. So the narrator is calling to mind when they were ordered not to uh, engage in idolatry, not to worship other gods. And yet the people have consistently done that from the time they were delivered from enslavement to this moment. Verse 13, yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all his prophets, by all of his prophets, every seer saying, Turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes according to all the law which I commanded your fathers and which I sent to you by my servants, the prophets. So the people are being admonished to be righteous and follow the commandments they were given. Um, originally, there were just those 10 and then religion tacked on a whole bunch of other dogma that has caused a whole lot of people to fall away, even to modern times. It's a big reason why a lot of people don't even bother with trying to uh, engage in religion because it's been diluted by so many lies. Um, it, it, I'd say as far as Christianity goes, it's um, if you go beyond the red letters in the Bible, 
you can easily fall into confusion. And there are a multitude of other religions in the Bible. Um, and Christianity is just one of them. Um, and so a lot of people will fall away, especially when they run into confusion, because some things don't make sense in one point. And like in one point in the Bible, they're told to do things forever. And in another point in the Bible, it turned out it's not forever. It was temporary. Things like the animal sacrifices, things like the dietary rules, things like the clothing rules. Um, if you're a Christian, Jesus did away with all three of those. And yet, um, if you're a Bible thumper, you're supposed to be trying to abide by everything from Genesis to Revelation, which doesn't make sense. You can't because there's contradictions. And rather than address that, many churches, many religious people will just say, oh, there's no contradictions and just accept, expect you to accept that. But there are obvious and clear contradictions, like even with the death penalty. Verse 14, nevertheless, they would not hear, but stiffen their necks like the necks of their fathers who did not believe in the Lord their God. So again, even though they're being told what to do and how to be righteous, people are stubborn, people are ignorant, people choose to do what they want to do, and they're not doing what they're told to do. They're not being faithful to any one entity at all. Verse 15, and they rejected his statutes and his covenant that he had made with their fathers and his testimonies, which he had testified against them. They followed idols, became idolaters, and went after the nations who were all around them, concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not be like them. So even though they were told not to pick up the worship ceremonies, the practices of the people around them, before they even went into the land to colonize it, that's exactly what they've done. They've seen how the people who were living there before were worshiping, and they picked up those same ways, um, including the passing their children through fire. Um, in modern times, it'd be fire walking, like we were reading in the last chapter, when people walk on hot coals to, um, I don't know, as a ritual. Um, it may not have the same intent, but it is the exact same thing um, when people would pass their children through the fire. It's worshiping, um, in the, according to the Bible, demons. Um, but in according to the people doing it, it's their religion. Verse 16, so they left all the commandments of the Lord, their God. <clears throat> Excuse me. So they left all the commandments of the Lord, their God, made for themselves a molded image and two calves, made a wooden image and worshiped all the hosts of heaven and served Baal. So um, the narrator here is summing it up. Those are all the different entities, just the sample of them that they were worshiping. The calves, those will be the two baby cows that they made golden statues of and said though, that's who delivered them from enslavement, you know, parted the Red Sea, fed them with manna. It was the cows that did it. Um, the molded images, that's the basically the same thing. They cast metal um, to make those statues. The wooden images, that would be like those totem poles or um, the Asherahs, as they're called, female goddesses even, um, that they worship, and all the hosts of heaven. So um, it's uh, one of, the, uh, one of the, the deities, entities is named Chiun, and its translation in English is, if I remember right, either Jupiter or Saturn. So they're worshiping all sorts of different things. Um, and then, of course, Baal, um, that translates to master, um, but they wasn't just one. There were Baals. There were masters that they worshipped. So the people weren't faithful to any one religion at all. 
Verse 17, and they caused their sons and daughters to pass through the fire, practice witchcraft and soothsaying, and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. So again, more religions and religious practices of the people considered wicked by the narrator, but some of them, like we've read before, were in place even before, uh, they're, at least they're mentioned in the Bible, even before Jesus' Christian ministry is mentioned, way before that. But even before Judaism gets its tenets, people were practicing witchcraft and animal sacrifices and getting results, by the way. So it's not like they were just doing it um, and nothing was happening. They were having supernatural results, even according to the narrative, conversations with God, appearances from God. Um, so the only way they could be true is if the people were still having or one of the ways it could be true is if the people still were having those supernatural events. And they were taking place through witchcraft and soothsaying. Soothsaying is basically um, prophecy, um, but not prophecy related to uh, one entity, God, but um, more like um, prophecies, like a crystal ball sort of prophecy, being able to look into the future that way. Same thing with seers and um, the witchcraft casting spells and so forth. The people were doing all of those things Back in Genesis, we've read about them already. Um, and according to the narrator here, all of it displeases God, or I should say the Lord, Jehovah, because that's not the entity being worshipped by the people through those different means. Yet, like I said, it may not have been God Almighty, but according to the narrative, they were getting results. They were getting supernatural interactions with the divine, um, like Baal and Balak when he made the three different offerings and got on-demand appearances from who they identified as the Lord. So believe what you want uh, and make sense of it how best you can. Uh, again, none of it is Christianity, but it is all in the Bible. Verse 18, therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah alone. So now the narrator is saying, because of all that, that idolatry, or other religions, um, that's why the Lord basically turned the Lord's back on them and uh, rejected them all except for one tribe, Judah. And um, if, it, if we're taking it literally, it means just that one tribe, Judah, not the kingdom of Judah, because the kingdom of Judah was the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin. Um, but according to this verse, um, all the other tribes were rejected at this point except for the singular tribe of Judah, the same tribe that eventually uh, Jesus arises from. Verse 19, also Judah did not keep the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the statutes of Israel, which they made. So Judah wasn't being faithful either. They were also engaging in idolatry. And we read that also. Um, animal sacrifices to other entities, all sorts of things that the people were doing in all of the tribes, it seems, that were not faithful to one religion. Verse 20, And the Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel, afflicted them, and delivered them into the hand of plunderers until he had cast them from his sight. So the narrator is letting us know the kingdom of Israel, all those tribes are rejected altogether, that the Lord is through with them, has had it with them, and um, has cast them behind the Lord's back, meaning no longer the apple of the Lord's eye, um, all except for Judah. And, but Judas also hasn't been faithful either. Judah, 
Verse 21, For he tore Israel from the house of David, and they made Jeroboam the son of Nebat king. Then Jeroboam drove Israel from following the Lord and made them commit a great sin. So we read about that when the king, kingdoms were divided into when the kingdoms were divided. First they were the so-called 12 tribes, but then at that point, after Solomon's death, um, uh, the kingdoms were divided, 10 to one kingdom, Israel, two to the other, Judah, um, and the Jeroboam, the one of the son of Nebat, although there was there were other Jeroboams after him, was the one who made the, the saying that made the people sin in setting up those golden cows for the people to worship as their uh, Lord that delivered them from enslavement. As if cows walked them through the waters. I don't know. It's what the people are believing. Verse 22. For the children of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam, which he did. They did not depart from them. So um, the narrator is making it clear that they were faithful to those other religions, faithful to the golden cows and all those other ways of worship, uh, but not to God, uh, not to Jehovah, I should say. Verse 23, until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight, as he had said by all his servants, the prophets. So Israel was carried away from their own land to Assyria, as it is to this day. So um, the narrator is making it clear that because of the, uh, the narrator is blaming the idolatry on the reason that the nation was captured and carried away captive to Assyria. Um, and it says to this day, letting us know it's a retrospective um, that someone at some later point wrote this down, reflecting back on the events that took place. And most likely that's why they're attributing all of the bad luck all the bad uh, turn of events on idolatry, uh, not necessarily on bad leadership or uh, just uh, conquering nations that decided they were stronger. None of that. They're blaming it on idolatry. Verse 24, then the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, uh, Kutha, Abba, Hamath, and from Sepharvaim and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. And they took possession of Samaria and dwelt in its cities. Um, so what it's saying here is that the people in Israel were carried away captive to the land of Assyria, and in their place, the Assyrians moved people that apparently they'd captured from other areas, including Babylon, because that was a, a previous uh, superpower, um, but it's now been conquered, apparently, by Assyria and sent them and relocated them in the cities of Israel, basically uprooting people from what they know and what they're used to and comfortable with, moving them to an absolute foreign land and moving the people in that land to occupy the area where they were in, um, in, the, in Canaan or the area of Israel and Samaria. And I guess this would explain why um, the Sumerians are considered foreigners by the time of Jesus' ministry, um, like with the Good Samaritan, or like when Jesus healed the ten lepers and only one turned back to give thanks to Jesus. Uh, Jesus said, "Where there nine were cleansed, or ten were cleansed, uh, where the nine where there only was only this one foreigner found to return to give glory to God." So um, previously, Samaria were the kingdom of Israel, but we see here. 
that's where this has changed. It's being occupied now and with people who've been relocated there by the Assyrians. Verse 25, and it was so at the beginning of their dwelling there that they did not fear the Lord. Therefore, the Lord sent lions among them, which killed some of them. So now the narrator is saying that when the new occupants of the land were placed there, um, it doesn't seem like it was by their choice. The Assyrian kingdom is who's basically relocated them there, but they're not being faithful to the Lord, um, to Jehovah, uh, probably because that's not who they've been raised with, the religion they were used to. But that's not good enough, uh, at least according to the narrator, because they weren't worshiping the Lord or Jehovah as it's translated uh, from, that because of that, lions were sent to go into the area and attack the people and even killed some of them. Um, now, again, that's the narrator saying that, um, I, I don't know, uh, would lions suddenly come in, uh, arrive there and start attacking people just because they weren't going to the right church? I don't know. Most likely, or at least possibly it would seem to me, uh, once you take a lot of people out of the area, the wild animals are going to start occupying it. So once now a new set of people go in there and start living there, the animals don't know that. So most likely they continue to come to the city and when they found people there, they killed them. But we'll go with what it reads since that's how it reads. They're being attacked because they aren't being faithful to the one God, uh, the one God of that area, um, apparently, uh, Jehovah. Verse 26, so they spoke to the king of Assyria, saying, The nations whom you have removed and placed in the cities of Samaria do not know the rituals of the God of the land. Therefore, he has sent lions among them. And indeed, they're killing them because they do not know the rituals of the God of the land. So again, just like uh, we read Beelzebub um, is Baal of the area of Zebub, it's the people are saying the the land has certain entities, certain gods, they rule over it. Um, and they're believing that that's what the attacks of the animal attacks are about because the people don't know the rituals that the God of that area requires. Um, it's how I read, so that's what we're reading it. Um, but it seems to me that that doesn't really make a lot of sense, but it is what they're saying. So let's keep reading verse 27. Then the king of Assyria commanded saying, Send there one of the priests whom you brought from there. Let him go and dwell there, and let him teach them the rituals of the God of the land. So the Assyrian king doesn't know what their religion is, so he's telling them, well, go ahead and take one of the captives, the people who's been basically kidnapped and relocated to Assyria. Go take one of them back with you to the land of Israel, and let that priest be the one to teach the people the different rituals required to please the entities of that area. Um, I guess basically like the animal sacrifices or whatever other sort of rituals are required for worship. He's saying, let that priest go there and teach him. Verse 28, then one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and dwelt in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. So now the religion stays alive in that one priest was sent back and now teaching the people, the new people of the land, not Israelites, uh, but all those other nations that were relocated there, teaching them uh, the way that they're supposed to worship the Lord Jehovah. Um, and it seems to me that 
what that brings to mind is how we read in Revelation um, that people are called Jews, but they're not, and they're considered a synagogue of Satan and all of that. <clears throat> Excuse me. So people would be considered Jews because they're in that area, but it turns out they're not actually Israelites or of Jewish descent at all. This could be why, because a lot of people from other areas were relocated there. And some preacher, preachers will say that when the Assyrians took them captive from Israel, uh, that they went to the, over the Caucasus, Caucasus Mountains, and that's where Caucasians came from and all of that. I find it hard to believe uh, because the Caucasus Mountains were there uh, previously, and almost certainly people occupied it. But um, maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. Uh, but what we're reading is that they weren't carried uh, there. They were carried to Assyria. And the land of Assyria was expansive, just like the uh, Roman um, uh, district, the area that it occupied and controlled was huge. It was a large area. So it's entirely possible that the area that the uh, Assyrians controlled included the Caucasus Mountains. Uh, but it's not in the Bible. It's not what's written. Um, except for, again, that they were carried away to Assyria, so it's entirely possible if that land included uh, those mountains. But either way, this is how the people were dispersed. The, is the people in Israel were carried away to Assyria, and the people in other areas, including Babylon, were relocated to the area known as Israel, but previously known as Canaan, the Holy Land. Um, let's see... Verse uh, 29, however, every nation continued to make gods of its own and put them in the shrines of the high places which the Samaritans had made, every nation in the cities where they dwelt. So even though they feared the lions attacking them for not worshiping the Lord of that land the right way, they learned the rituals and required to worship that Lord, I guess, what animal sacrifices, the peace offerings, and all those sort of things. They've been taught, they're being taught that by the priest that was sent back there. But even though they're being taught that, they didn't abandon their own religions. They still practiced their own religions. And according to um, um, the how we read it, it's considered idolatry. It's not considered faithful, even though they're being faithful to their own religion. Uh, verse 30, the men of Babylon made Sakuth Benoth, the men of Kuth made Nergal, the men of Hamath made Ashima. So um, those are some of the different entities um, that are being worshipped and the um, different sort of monuments and uh, idols that people are making to worship them. Um, so sort of all new names. These are the first times that I recall us reading about these three different entities or gods, if you prefer, uh, Sakuk Benoth, um, Nergal, and Ashima, those are who the people are still worshiping, even though they have um, the worship rituals of the Lord that delivered the Israelites from enslavement to also tend to. So it's like they're uh, just doing it all. They're um, doing what pleases the Lord, making those offerings that they're required to do there but also engaging in their own religious practices for the other entities they worship as their gods. Verse 31, And the Avites made Nibaz and Tartak, and the Sepharvites burnt their children in fire to Adramelech and 
Anamalek, the gods of Sephirvain. So, um, Sephirvain might sound familiar because lots of Jewish people in modern times trace their lineage back to um, Sephirvain. I think that's it, Sephirvatic Jews. Um, so, they're, um, I think that's the one. Um, so, it, so, we see they're still worshiping all these other different entities and including burning their children in fire, that that's part of their worship ceremony. And as um, extreme as that may sound, if it's not, um, the Israelites did the same thing. When we um, look back to Abraham, he was going to kill his son, Isaac, as a, a, a sacrifice to, and we'll just say God, um, and was stopped in the last moment just before he did it. Um, but so it's not that strange that people would sacrifice their children it's uh, been happening again and again. Um, verse 32, so they feared the Lord and from every class they appointed for themselves priests of the high places who sacrificed for them in the shrines of the high places. So they're um, worshiping both. They're worshiping Jehovah. That's where Lord is being translated from. But they're also worshiping their own God. So they're engaging in all sorts of different religions in plain English. Uh, not being faithful to anyone in particular. Verse 33, I guess covering all their bases. Verse 33, they feared the Lord, yet served their own gods, according to the rituals of the nations from among whom they were carried away. So again, they're not faithful to any one entity or one religion at all. They're just trying to please all the gods they can, so probably so they can have peace. Verse 34, to this day, they continue practicing the former rituals, they do not fear the Lord, nor do they follow their statutes or their ordinances or the law and commandment which the Lord had commanded the children of Jacob, whom he named Israel. So again, they're not being faithful to Jehovah, the entity that uh, that was uh, worshipped by their forefathers. They still made sacrifices and such, but they're still also engaging in idolatry and that they're holding on to the religions of their own land that they basically brought up on. Verse 35, with whom the Lord had made a covenant and charged them saying, you shall not fear other gods, nor bow down to them, nor serve them, nor sacrifice to them. So um, the narrator is, letting, is reiterating that they were told not to worship those other entities, to only be faithful to one God, yet they weren't. Um, verse 36, but the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt with great power and an outstretched arm, him you shall fear, him you shall worship, and to him you shall offer sacrifice. So they're being told again and again to worship the one Lord, not all those other entities, um, but they're not. Verse 37, and the statutes, the ordinances, the law, and the commandment which he wrote for you, you shall be careful to observe forever. You shall not fear other gods. So again, there's that word forever, that they're supposed to follow those different statutes and ordinances and commandments forever. And yet other religions, um, uh, modern religions will um, that claim their Bible thumpers or claim they're faithful to the whole Bible, do, did away with those forever commandments like the animal sacrifices. It says forever. So that means if they were doing them back then, you're supposed to be doing them now. And yet... How many churches do you know do still do that, make animal sacrifices? I'm sure there are some, but uh, it's not a common thing, certainly not in America. 
Um, so it, to my in my mind, it goes back to knowing what's for you. If you're a Christian, those red letters are what we're supposed to be following. Um, trying to follow the rest of it, it's nothing but confusion. Um, let's see, verse 33, 37, 38. And the covenant that I have made with you, you shall not forget, nor shall you fear other gods. So they're being told again and again not to worship other entities, to be faithful to one God, yet they are not. Verse 39, but the Lord your God shall you shall fear, and he will deliver you from the hand of all your enemies. So that's what they were told before, and that's what they're being told again. Be faithful to the one Lord, and they'll be delivered from their enemies. Um, yet they haven't been, and yet they are being uh, 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 captured and taken by their enemies. Verse 40, however, they did not obey, but they followed their former rituals. So uh, they aren't being faithful to one entity at all. They're still holding on to the religions that they practiced in their own land, and they're practicing the religion that the new land requires, but being faithful to not one in particular at all. Verse 41, so these nations feared the Lord, yet served their carved images also, their children and their children's children have continued doing as their fathers did even to this day. So again, the even to this day lets us know at the time that this was scribed or written down, the people were still practicing those things. So this isn't written contemporaneously like you might write in your diary every day. This is written at a later time, looking back on the different events that happened and attributing those uh, negative events, the captures the being carried away to the idolatry um that's what it's being chalked up to the fact that people weren't faithful to one god and instead practiced other religions that that's the cause of their downfall and their captivity um that's the last verse in this chapter so that's where we'll end this reading um like i mentioned in the last reading thank you for reading along with me i hope it's a blessing for you and like i said before i'm not sure how it's happened but um, I'll include a link in the, um, I'll try to always do that as long as it exists, I guess. Um, try to remember, and if you're interested in any of the things we talk about here, look in the description box of um, each of the Naked Truth videos, at least on Anchor, that's where I post them. I don't know if they continue over to the other platforms or not, but on Anchor, you can read the um, description boxes of some of the different references um, in the Bible in pop culture, in movies, um, and um, online, the different places where you can find more information about what it is we talk about here. And in this case, like I mentioned in the last reading, you can see where someone, not sure who, um, has put up a mirror of my old site, Hung T Girl, um, but you can't get through it that way. You have to put in a different URL to get to the site, and I don't know how long it's going to be up there or why it's even up there. But somehow, by the grace of God, it is up there. So if you're interested in those readings, I'd suggest you copy them now while you can. Save and copy them or, and share them. Even if, if they're a blessing to you, share the knowledge with others if, you've, if it's been helpful to you. And thank you for reading along with me. Like I said, I'll put the link in the description box. And one other thing before we move on, speaking of all these different religions, one of the things you may have noticed on my old site was that I broke it up into body, mind, spirit, and soul. Um, my understanding of what those things are, just um, 
as a footnote. The body, it's obvious. It's our physical body. It's what's undeniable. It's the one um, thing you can touch and see. The other parts are not as obvious. The mind, that in my mind, is what we use to reason about things, to make decisions with. Um, the soul, that's what we all have. That's um, what uh, is, is the unseen also. Um, but it's um, it's what it's our true self. It's what makes it either to heaven or not. Uh, the um, heart, I think, would be another component. It has a physical component, the actual cardio part, the beats and the one that has beats and moves blood about the body. But it also has a non-physical component. It's what our desire is. And I think that's where the soul is. It's what your heart truly desires, what your heart really wants. Your mind makes up, it's, uh, makes your, um, uh, helps your body decide what to do, whether it makes sense or not. Um, and, um, at least this is my understanding of it. And the spirit, um, is something that we don't all have only by having the birth of a spirit is what, when we have a spirit having that, um, born again, um, experience as Christians, that's how we get the spirit. Otherwise, the way the Bible describes the spirit, and in not in many places does it describe it. In the Old Testament, the spirit is described as the lamp of the Lord that searches all the inner depths of the heart, meaning the spirit is what sees what we're doing, whether it's right or whether it's wrong, whether it's sin or whether it's righteousness. That's what the spirit does. Um, but we don't all have that spirit, according to Jesus, because remember what Jesus tells us in John 3 that um uh that which is born of the flesh is flesh that means if you make it in to the world we all are born on the flesh of the flesh we have a body but that which is born of the spirit is spirit meaning that's that second birth that's the born again part that's where we as christians get the spirit in our um faith in christ that's where we receive a spirit and that's what the spirit actually is that's our um that's our inner light that searches all the inner depths of our heart. So in my mind, that's how we can think of the different components of what make us up as people, the body, mind, the spirit, and the soul. Um, everybody has that soul, like I said, and God only knows where it's going to go. Um, we all have desires for different things. That's what we set our heart on and we use our mind to get there. Um, but it's the spirit that sees whether what we what we decide to do, what we set our heart on is righteous or not. And again, only born again, only by being born again, not born from above, because that's not even what it says, but literally born again, do we have that second birth, the birth of the spirit, the Holy Spirit in us um, to um, search out whether what we do is righteous or not. And what the Holy Spirit does, according to Jesus, is bring to our remembrance all things that Jesus said. Not all things that are in the Bible, but all things that Jesus said. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, according to Jesus. Um, so anyway, just thought I'd throw that in. Stay safe. I love you. See you next time. God bless you and peace be with you. Peace be with you.